Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief for recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. My name is Jack McLean. I am the host. And in today's episode, I interview Sean Potter, the high performance manager of the Tasmanian Devils. Prior to working with the Devils, Sean was the high performance manager of the Calder Cannons. Let's get into today's episode. How you going, mate? Hey, how are you, mate? You can hear me okay? Yeah, I got you. Awesome. Very good. Well, we've got uh, a few people tuned in, so we'll, we'll dive straight into the good stuff, mate. Uh, take us back to the beginning. Uh, what age did you discover you had a passion for strength and conditioning? Yeah, I think it was um, like with many of us, you know, we're, we were involved with sports from a very young age. I remember Dad taking me down to Auskick as a young tucker. So from there, I think it just grew uh, during high school, um, you know, starting to get more and more sort of interested around what actually it takes to prepare to be an athlete and how you can actually benefit from going to the gym or doing some extra conditioning work just outside of you know, your normal sort of football training or soccer training or whatever it is that you're involved in. So I think it was there that, you know, I sort of signed up at the local YMCA and started doing some uh, gym work down there as uh, over the sort of pre-season time to basically try and get up some strength. Um, and speaking to, speaking to a lot of the, the gym staff and sort of slowly starting to read things uh, around what it actually takes, like, you know, trying to get your hands on anything, whether it's your, your sort of bodybuilder type books or just talking to as many people as you can. Um, and then it wasn't until towards the back end of high school that uh, sort of realised that it can actually be a career. There's actually, you know, a pathway for people to do this professionally. It's not just a, a bit of fun. Like, you can actually uh, make a living off it. So then it was um, going into uni and trying sort of actually get involved in some S&C, see if it's for me or see if it isn't. And, um, yeah, basically absolutely loved it. Um, thankfully, early on, you know, working with, with the cold cannons, I think back then it was down to 16 squad and uh, with or what was the Coburg Tigers in the VFL before they split up. Um, yeah, some really good opportunities to actually see what it takes to prepare athletes to perform on the weekend. And um, yeah, no, nah, that was sort of where it all started. And here we are today, sort of 10, 11 years later. Yeah, fantastic, mate. So if we, if we dive in a little bit closer to that phase where you, you knew you had a passion for sport and, and, and training in the gym and on the field, um, did you start uh, like doing your degree straight after high school or did you dabble with some other career options or, or personal training? Take us through um, yeah, your steps before working in with elite athletes at Coburg and um, the, yeah, Napoli. Yeah, yeah. So... Um... I suppose early early days started off as a as a lifeguard, so uh, seeing yep. how swimmers at the, at the local uh, were basically training and preparing there. Um, from there, yeah, no, I was uh, just pretty much straight through to to uni, uh, sort of the right subjects to be able to get all the personal trainer qualifications. So started doing some uh, work there, which same YMCA that I was uh, training at as well, um, and that was really good. You know, you got to see a whole range of different the population group, so yeah, pro athletes through to like your, your older uh, population want to sort of live out their older uh, some extra fitness, um, yeah. and then everything in between. You know, got your your mum's return, sort of pre and post pregnancy, um, uh, 
athletes, uh, people that just want to get fit, powerlift, uh, every every sort of walk of life. And I think that really helps uh, when trying to get into strength and conditioning because you never know what it might be that you can sort of take from these experiences to really help you. And, and was football back then something you were focusing on or did that something eventuate sort of naturally as your career progressed? Um, I think always having been involved in football, um, playing it from a young age, um, sort of a lot of the, the early experiences uh, were in football as well. So I think it was one of those things that just sort of um, But in, in saying that, you know, I did a little bit of work with the uh, Australian Cross team a few years back, did an internship with Melbourne Storm uh, as well. And, like, they were all fantastic opportunities to see how different sports run their programs and organisations as well and even just some of the, the cultural differences. Um, and similar to the, the personal training side of things, everything is a learning experience and you can take little things uh, from all over and apply it to where you're at currently. Yeah, how did you get that opportunity into Melbourne store? Um, pretty much through through uh, VU, so through the uni. Um, yeah. they, were, they were sending out like, through the, the careers advisors there, um, pretty much just uh, like job ad uh, for were coming through to us all the time um, and was able to be successful enough to to snag an internship with them, uh, mainly with their under-20 squad, which was, uh, yeah, real real big eye-opener to just see how the difference between rugby and, and football and even then within, with how Melbourne Storm run their organisation, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, what, what were your major sort of takeaways in seeing that environment? Um, I think because sort of fairly heavily involved within, within football, um, it was really good to see just the, the emphasis on the, the strength and power training compared to to AFL, uh, whereas AFL was probably more your, your conditioning and getting them up to a high level of being able to cover the ground. Um, they were probably the main things. And just also, I think, the professionalism of it. Like, we're, we're dealing with, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old sort of boys or what they started the program as boys. They'll basically leave it as men, uh, you know. Like, they were training sort of pre-work or pre-school, pre-uni, um, because a part of the agreement was that they couldn't train between the hours of us like 8.30 and like 3.30 or 4 o'clock. Uh, yeah. So all training had to be outside of those hours. Um, so they were doing, you know, four gym sessions each morning for the week. Uh, they were quite sort of um, west side barbell where they'd sort of do like, you know, your, your sort of strength days and your sort of power days. So, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, they were in the gym. They were doing on-field session like three times a week in the afternoon. So they'd do an extra session on a Saturday morning where they'd go to like a, a local park or something and do some sort of fun activity so um yeah i think it was just like for for a similar age group to what i'm dealing with now within nabli um yeah like just just some real big differences in terms of what was expected but also uh the the professional they were held to yeah amazing yeah you, you can you can gain so much from from seeing can't you like you can obviously yeah. reading and listening to podcasts and and reading journal articles but but actually seeing how it all puts together um, and, and being a fly on the wall early days, you can gain so much from it. Um, you mentioned that the, the sessions and those timeframes, um, how did you fit that around lifeguard and, and uni and, and all the rest of it for the, for the developing SNCs listening in? Yeah, um, simple question. I don't, I don't know. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, you just you just make it work, you know. Uh, coffee soon becomes your friend, and uh, midday naps soon become your friend as well. So, nah, you just um, just prioritize what it is you need to prioritize. So, naturally, it was one of those things where um, Melbourne Storm was going to be my priority, whether it means that you know 
my grades at uni aren't necessarily quite as good as what they could be because I'm not studying as much or, um, you know, if I can't make quite money as what it is doing the work on the side or if my own training, if I can't sort of do as many gym sessions or get to the, the training that I need to as much as what it is, then, then so be it. Um, it's just one of those things where early days when you're sitting down at uni and you sort of see all the other students around you and, you know, you've got other odd students sitting in the same auditorium and that's just at VU. Then you've got, like, you know, your Deacons and ACUs and all the other unis out there. You sort of very quickly think, well, you know, I've got to get this experience. I need to do well in these areas because this is essentially what's going to get you the job. So, um, yeah. yeah, just just prioritising it and making sure that that was the, the main focus for it. And, um, yeah, trying to do the best that you can while you're there. Yeah, it's, it's a good point you make and I appreciate the honesty. Um, mm. The fact that you did sacrifice your, your training, um, grades and then, and then pay, um, they're things that maybe people that have started the degree wouldn't recognise that you do have to sacrifice. But, you, you know, you do need to get experience but then at the same time um, bring some money in to live and, and then experience training yourself um, and then obviously pass the degree. So um, it is a bit of a juggling act. But you, you, it sounds like you, you wanted to get a career in in sport, um, so you prioritise Melbourne Storm as, as the top of the list? Is that how you sort of approached it? Yeah, yeah. So it was one of those things where, yeah, you just got to um, sort of work out where it is, what, what goal if you, if you want to make this a, a career. Um, you're going to have to make some, some big sacrifices along the way. Um, and that also comes on a personal note. You know? Like if you've got to be at, at a game on a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to start the warm-ups or whatever, then you're probably not having a, a very big Saturday night or something like that. Um, you might miss out on a lot of, you know, birthdays and, and dinners and lunches and, and stuff like that. But um, you just got to make sure you got the, the support around you, whether it's a, um, a partner, a family, a friends, whatever it is. Uh, just hope that, you know, they understand the situation that you're in and um, that they're, that they're going to support you. And I think that support network's really important. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic, mate. And, and we'll move into the uh, your mentors and, or influences that have helped your career. Um, doesn't have to be, you know, directly S and Cs, but um, who have been some people that sort of pop up top of mind that have uh, helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, I think um, first and foremost, I think I've been really fortunate with um, some of the mentors I've had along the way. I've had some really good, uh, mentors and influences um, sort of show me the ropes through the through the career. Um, so early days when I was at um, Cannon's early days, you know, we had Steve Falcone there and, you know, he's, he's an absolute little pocket rocket. He's, he just doesn't stop and um, sort of some of the work ethic and, and just how he was able to build the relationships with the younger athletes. I was able to take a lot out of that. Um, with Robbiness, um, he was at Coburg, like, again, phenomenal uh, worker with it all. Um, huge, huge uh, knowledge base and experience base. Um, and I was able to take a lot out of him. And then also uh, Loris Bertolacci with the, um, where he was bit of work on the side so he was again like another wealth of experience he's been in the industry i think since oh, like 95 96 i think he first started in AFL, and um before that he was around a lot yeah around a lot before that got to see some pretty good uh glory across some teams there so um again like being able to learn how he did things in the past and even just learning from his uh mistakes and um experiences and you know try and take as much out of that as you can uh, Whereas at Northern Blues, you know, working with um, Stuart Livingston within the weights room and the strength training department, um, he was he was absolutely phenomenal. Like you get to chat with him, uh, before our sessions are starting and see how he organised things for training and 
really sort of made you aware of, um, you know, you might only have a 45-minute window or an hour window to, to get the strength session in. So how are you going to plan it to, to basically get things happening? That's where a lot of my own strength program and strength development um, around the way I uh, coach the athletes has come from him as well. Um, and then also with that as well, uh, working quite closely with Matthew Powell because he was the um, Northern Blue performance manager. Again, uh, a lot of conditioning talk with him, uh, learning more about not so much just doing MAS for the sake of doing MAS to get them fitter, but what other things can we do around it? So are we doing more like what might be a, a tactical type periodization where let's try to get some more drills involved or, or stuff like that? Um, and then moving into sort of my time with Colder Cannons and Tasmania Devils, working closely with uh, Matt Glossop and, and Paul Sealy. Um, they've both been really good to bounce ideas, more from a probably a, a programming and admin side of things um, and how to best organise training and, and basically get the most out of them. But then also quite thankful to be working with some some really good coaches along the way as well within it. So uh, and Cam Joyce and, and also Matthew Armstrong at uh, Tasmania Devils. So from a coaching standpoint as well, being able to learn to see what it is they want from a, a skills point of view. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think I think being able to see that. And then external ones as well, you know, like uh, David Watts, Michael Mosso, uh, Lockie Wilmer, being able to reach out to these guys externally um, and ask them any questions that we want to ask. Um, and they're quite open to their own experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah, Lucky's just chimed in there. Can Sean confirm he's bulked up 10 kilos since moving to Tassie? Um, I can confirm a little bit of weight has been put on. <laughs> Very but good. Or due to the uh, Vic lockdown last year, or if that's due to moving to Tassie. <laughs> yeah, some, you're lucky down there, mate. There's some great food. My dad has been living there for the last sort of few years. Um, the beef and uh, local produce, seafood, all the good stuff. Yeah, we get looked after down here. Yeah. Uh, take us through your role that you're now doing a full-time role with the Tassie Devils. Um, how does it uh, how does it work? You know, yeah. entail. We've got three regions which um, we sort of look after. So we've got one based in Hobart in the south, one in the north in Lonnie, and then one in the northwest around the Olston Penguin area. So essentially, we um, we have athletes training in each of those regions, both boys and girls. Um, so we've got staff across each of them, and basically. Uh, I oversee sort of what happens from a S&C medical standpoint across it all. So typically on a Monday, we'll, um, we'll get training out to all of them for the week. Um, and then that might be, so whatever drills it is, work out whatever sort of distances, top up with whatever conditioning. Um, the nature of those regional-based trainings are that some of those regions might only have eight athletes there. Um, you know, if one or two of them are in rehab or injured or modified for whatever reason, then, you know, sometimes it may be regional or coaches need to alter training to, to suit that as well. So it's also having the discussions with them um, individually, the, the regional needs as well, um, and try and, yeah, work out what, what it is that uh, needs to be achieved out of each region. And then, you know, sort of every now and then, maybe once a fortnight, maybe once every three, four weeks, uh, we'll meet in the middle of Tasmania in Campbelltown um, and have a, a full session there. Oh, interesting. So you, so you float between those three regions throughout the week? Yeah, yeah. So uh, as we as we go around, uh, we'll basically make sure that um, myself and and the coaches and talent managers the stuff we get around as much as we can to each of those regions and make sure everyone's uh, supported as much as they can be. Um, naturally, because of all the sort of COVID stuff lately as well, and us sort of being in Sydney and then being in Melbourne and all that sort of stuff means that 
as of late, it's a little bit more trickier to, to get around because they want to try and limit movement a little bit uh, within the state. But, um, you know, we, we, we're always on chat, so the, the staff always know that they can reach out if there are any questions or anything they need to, to reach out about. Um, that we're always here, always on emails, always reporting, you know, after trainings and whatnot around what happens. Yeah. We'll be right back after this short break to explain our most popular online program. I want to introduce you to Prepare Like a Pro Online. This is more than just an online program. This is a virtual high-performance program at its finest. Not only are you getting structured strength and conditioning, you're getting customized load selections, detailed video tutorials, so we're giving you the guidance on exactly how much to lift, how fast to run, and how to perform the movement. You'll be able to access your training program and upload your training loads during workouts through the Team Builder app on your phone. Access to our exclusive academy group, giving you the opportunity to connect with a community of like-minded athletes and to continue to educate yourself about cutting-edge research and elite techniques for performance with our regular posts and discussion forums. The programs are specific with seasonal timing, your playing position, age, and goal in mind. These specific programs are designed to help you reach your body composition goals of gaining, reducing, or maintaining weight. The Prepare Like a Pro online program is an end-to-end coaching service without the big price tag. Sign up today to attack your goals and be the fastest, strongest, and most resilient version of you on game day. For more information about this program, click the link in our Instagram bio. Welcome back to the show. There's been a lot of uh, talented footballers play at the highest level from, from Tassie, Tassie Crop. Um, yeah. How strong has this program been over the years? Is, is this the first time there's been a full-timer like yourself managing this performance program or is it something that's been in place for uh, a number of years? Um, the, the person that was uh, previously involved was Ross. So he was uh, part-time. Uh, so I am the first full-timer in this role within like the S&C space uh, for, for the Tassie Devils. And I think that's partly due to um, the girls coming into the fold a lot more as well. So just sure. have, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. have a, I'm a both the boys and the girls program, uh, which has been really, really good. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's, it's always been a, a fairly strong uh, program down here within Tassie. I think it's more just the other sort of um, limitations within it. Like we sort of said, like the regional based training, um, sometimes it's hard to, to get a, a full blowout in terms of sort of athletes in the region training. Um, it's just the nature of uh, what we deal with. It's just a matter of how we manage around that and try and get the most out of each region in saying that. But then also it can have its pos- uh, positives because it means, you know, one uh, eight odd athletes to one SNC or two SNCs, you know, you'll probably take that versus one or two SNCs to a group of 40 odd athletes. So your level of attention and detail can be there that little bit more. Um, as well, which can also pay pay off in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, take us through what what each department has in the region. So, is there a physio, S and C? Uh, yeah, take us through the coaching department as well. Yeah, yeah. So each each uh, so over overarching, there's myself, which looks after the the sort of high performance area. Uh, yeah. We'll have an coach and an overall sort of talent manager, which we'll oversee like from a, a state standpoint. Then within each region, there'll be a regional S uh, and Cs. Uh, typically, we try and get um, some intern as well. Also, there'll be a physio for each region. Uh, again, yeah. depending on the region, there might be sort of two or three that float through, uh, depending on the agreements with the the contracts in there. 
Um, there'll also be a talent manager within each region uh, and then also a coach within each region for both the boys and the girls. So, uh, And then they'll typically also be a Lions coach for our game day squads as well. So if we have right. a look at in the north, so the north coach is also our boys' midfield coach. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You can start that all have to piece together. Um, yeah. And then what about with in terms of sports science and gym equipment? Like, do you guys have access to GPS units and, and gym facility? Yeah. yeah. So um, down here in the south, we, we get access to Blundstone. So we use all of Cricket Taz, uh gym, uh, which is yeah. which is really um, so on a Tuesday and a Thursday night. We'll, we'll head in there and do a lot of our gym work out of there. Um, in the north and the northwest, again, they'll typically do training more so after after the sessions because I'm not necessarily there to uh, to do the extra sort of work on the off days. So um, they'll typically go to the gyms after uh, they do the, the training sessions. Um, but again, that might float around depending on if the girls are in as well. So if the girls are in, we might get doing, let's say, girls in the gym first, boys afterwards, and just flipping around based on training. Um, and then in terms of the, the sports size stuff, so... Yeah, we've got a we've got catapult units um, for game day, and then during training we'll typically use SPT because it's a little bit easier to manage from a, a regional standpoint. Oh, fantastic! So the SNCs and the regions are being able to get some gym experience and conditioning as well as sports science. Yeah, yeah. So we try and sort of you know provide as as much as we can close to a, an AFL program as possible. Um, obviously, just within the, the limitations of um, what we're what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, mate. Sounds like an awesome program. Um, what, what's the, um, what's the, how's NAB League sort of working in this current climate at the moment? Are a lot of games, are more games being played in Tassie at the moment due to COVID with Melbourne and Sydney, or is it just on sort of hold a holding pattern, more of a training block while yeah. uh, everything yeah. goes in the country? Yeah, whenever a, a big lockdown comes up, there's obviously a, a bit of a hold on the fixture and we just try and work around it. So during the last, um, Vic lockdown, we actually end up going up to Sydney to play Sydney and GWS um, in basically two consecutive weeks. This time around, we're just going to unfortunately miss out on, on a couple of games um, just due to late notice and also um, not being able to necessarily get out of the state and also with the, with the opponents not being able to get in and out. Um, so yeah. during these periods, the boys will go back and play uh, for their club footy. So majority of them play in the TSL, so in the state league down here. Um, so we'll we'll still try and continue training as as much as we can, and obviously try and hold a hold it to as much high level as we can. Um, but then obviously find that you know on a Thursday night they're probably going to need to train with their clubs in order to be selected for seniors or development league on the weekend. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a bit of a juggling act. It's not as clear cut as what it has been over sort of years prior to to COVID. But um, you know at least there's some footy being played, and I think that's a, a major positive. Is you know last year we had absolutely nothing where at least this year um there, there's something being played and you know the boys can at least get out there on on a game day uh where they're wearing the the tassie jumper and they've been able to do so i think eight or nine times now yeah very good and and you've had um you mentioned your mentors have helped you along the way um and you're now running your own program a lot of these guys like morris and uh robbiness have running you know have run afl programs so great people to have an apprenticeship over you now um Running a program yourself, what's a key focus when you took on this role with, with the developing footballers that you're working with uh, for those developing footballers tuning into this podcast? What, what are your sort of key pillars, I guess? Yeah, I think, um, his, well, more recently, um, Tassie hasn't really had a, a huge number of um, draft athletes coming out of the program. Um, 
for, for a range of reasons. So I think from my standpoint, I didn't want that to ever be a reason because they weren't fit enough, they weren't fast enough, they, weren't, they didn't have the right I don't know, gym mechanics or something like that. Like I wanted them to, say, not be drafted just because they just were not good enough compared to the opponents. I didn't want sort of my department to be the reason as to why that was the case. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of work was put into the range and speed ability. So looking at can they actually sustain a conditioning bout? Like can they go for, you know, an eight-minute worst-case scenario effort? Um, can they actually, you know, do look at their ability? Can they actually produce the speed? And then let's look at their capacity within it all. Um, same with the, the strength, their movement and their, their power abilities. So can they actually perform the movement? Then let's have a look. Can we actually build upon this? Um, and then also looking at the, the developmental stages within training as well. So, you know, can they, can they actually handle, you know, two, three nights a week where we, you know, some weeks we might end up with 25Ks on the track, 30Ks on the track. So can they actually handle this? If, if not, then why is that the case? Is it just a matter of they're still maturing bodies? All right, if that's the case, let's pull them back a little bit. If they're, if they're fully developed and, and mature enough, then let's go and, and give a little bit more. So... I think it's a it's a bit of a range of things that we sort of look at. So, um, what 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 is it that we we we've got to try and do to basically get them to to be the level that um, they need to be? And you know, some of the, some of the boys got picked out early on in the season to play VFL. So, again, that's another layer of complexity. We're not only training them to to be able to meet the demands of the draft and also meet the demands of NAB league, but also meet the demands of what a, a VFL player would be that probably has you know six, seven, eight years on some of these boys that they might be going up against. So um, it's, it's a quite a complex sort of uh, thing that we're dealing with. So, yeah, just really trying to build, build their base as much as we possibly can within their foundations and, and I guess, a layer upon on top sort of accordingly. Yeah, it's nice that you mentioned that the individual component of the, the different, um, you know, maturation between individuals in the group uh, at that age. Um, Lockie sent through a good question here. When you signed on, did they give you specific KPIs? Um, age-old question for S&C is what are you actually judged on? So it is quite a complex role, it's a multifactorial role, and, and it's the first time someone's full-time. In that role, I imagine there's a lot of administration and, and scheduling involved in it as well. Um, yep. yeah, are there, what are your, sort of, your KPIs? Um, there weren't anything really given to me directly. Um, it was more just sort of what myself and uh, the team sort of put upon ourselves at the start of the year as to what we wanted to achieve to get out of it. Um, I think it was one of those things where coming out of COVID, no one really knew what to expect. And then also, so me coming into this role November, um, you know, no one, no one really knew what to expect coming into this year. Were we going to have a season? Were we not? Um, you know, were, were we going to? Sort of train the boys and then send them back to TSL for the weekend. Um, there was a lot of different things that we just didn't really know about. Um, so coming into it, you know, we had to sort of look at well, in terms of if it's say injury rates, we want to try and keep low injury rates. Well, how does that look? What do we do there? Um, do we want to try and you know finish a certain level on the on the ladder? Is that what's going to be reflecting upon a successful season? So there's a lot of things that we sort of sat down and, and looked over and, and basically went over, but it wasn't anything sort of necessarily put in contract toward me. It was more around what we decided upon as a group would be our KPIs for the year. Yeah. It's such an interesting role to be involved in. I've never actually worked in NAB League, but um, yeah, I can imagine there's a few different pressures. There's the one that you mentioned, getting 
play, you know, getting players drafted, um, which is uh, arguably, um, I know a lot of NAB League clubs have their drafted players up on the walls, just like clubs have premierships. So um, they hold that pretty highly. And then you've got your premiership, you've got um, preparing boys for, like you said, senior uh, state-level football, like VFL's a high-level football against big, um, strong, you know, mature um, player uh, age group. Um, and then, like you said, they're also chat- taking on year 12 um, and, and, and working towards getting drafted. You've got, you know, testing as well from an athletic point of view. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on them, and they're they're young as well, so they're only going to want to push themselves to the max. I can imagine every time. So you're preparing them for, to have long, successful careers. Um, but then there's also a lot about the now and the next six months, and this is the this is the year that make it all together. So how do you juggle um, that, and and what's your approach with with footballers that are gun ho and, and pushing themselves potentially past uh, their limits? Yeah, I think you sort of got to meet them at their level. Um, you know, get to get to know them about uh, if they're at school. Well, when when's their exam periods? Uh, if they're involved in in multiple sports, um, well, what other sports? When are they likely to be uh, running? Um, is is there any way that we can sort of do a bit of give and take? Like if it's a um, cricket that they're playing over summer, well, what is it that we might be able to do around that? Um, if they're involved in multiple football programs, like I know a lot of the NAB League boys are back back in uh, in Melbourne, where you know they might have training four nights a week for football. Well, how does that then look? What can we then do about it? Is there a um is there a connection with each of the each of the schools or each of the clubs that we can sort of uh, leverage on to basically try and get the right for the for the athletes? Um, and it's I know I know some of the athletes don't like it when we sort of take them out of training or or change things up on them because they just want to be involved, but it's also a matter of trying to do what's what's best for them. It's not a matter of um, getting getting them out and thinking, oh, I'm not going to get drafted, I'm not going to be able to perform, I'm not going to get selected because of this, this, and this. You're you're more likely not to get selected because you 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 end up injuring yourself or you're overusing your your sort of certain areas of your body and stuff like that. So um, it, it's a, a lot of education around sort of you know being professional around your approach. The communication is a is a massive piece because um, in season we we only see them two nights a week, maybe three nights week so there's a there's a lot of time that things can happen outside of that time um so yeah we've really got to make sure that they're comfortable approaching you if there's things that are going on um it's relationships it's 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 a whole plethora of things that we use to to really try and manage it um and just putting that all together and i think like we sort of said before in terms of a lot of uh, the mentors i've had i've been really thankful that uh, i've had those experience with those with those mentors because i've been able to take a lot out of what they've done and and apply it to what i'm doing here yeah no thanks mate it's a great answer and um the athletes are are lucky to have you um cody brand has sent through a quick question what thursday night trainings are better colder with the boys or or down in tassie (laughs) like a colder boy yeah yeah he was a ex-cannons boy um yeah, no, I'm, I'm playing a bit on that one. I'm not answering that question. <laughs> well done, straight back. We'll start to wrap it up now, Sean. Um, what are you most excited about for 2021? Yeah, I think just actually being able to, to see people performing and doing what they doing what they want to do and love, which is being out there, whether it's uh, what we're dealing with within NAB League or, or basketball or soccer or, or anything else, like just the fact that, you know, 
it may not be fully back to back to normal, but it's it's somewhat back to normal if that makes sense. Like you know, it's it's just getting things happening again, um, and hopefully as as each year goes on, it becomes more and more normal, um, or what will be the new norm. Um, and yeah, we can we can sort of start to see some interrupted seasons and actually get some get some good training in and and sort of reload into sort of what what the sports require. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're all hoping for that. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for for jumping on, and uh, it's been good to catch up, mate. And uh, when I'm next out in Tassie, I'll, I'll definitely have to hit you up for a beer or a coffee. Yeah, likewise, mate. It's uh, nah, it's been an absolute privilege to be on here, mate. Love what you're doing with all the with uh, both the athletes and the coaches, mate. So, I nah, appreciate being on you. Awesome. Thanks, mate. We'll uh, we'll speak soon. Sounds good. Catch you. Awesome, mate. Catch you, John. Thank you for listening, guys. And uh, if you want to uh, watch this recording, if you tuned in late, head over to our IGTV uh, where you can watch the recording with Sean. Uh, We had a great chat about his journey in strength and conditioning and the work that he's doing with the Tasmanian Devils. So whether you're a developing strength and conditioning coach or footballer, make sure you watch the full recording. We'll post it on our podcast on iTunes, Spotify and YouTube in the coming weeks. So make sure to subscribe and and please leave a review. If you really enjoyed this episode and you're hungry for more information, make sure to enter our podcast giveaway. We're giving away a hoodie. All you need to do is these simple three steps. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and share a screenshot of your favourite podcast on your social media. And that will get you in the running to uh, win a Propel Like a Pro hoodie. So thanks again for tuning in, guys. Until next time. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes. And, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or, through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot.
Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker, um. And yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.